morning, all you lovely lot out there. It's Emma Lucy Brown, your hosiery high priestess here at Denim Star. Happy Valentine's Day to all our Denim Star sock stars who celebrated and partook. Those of us at Denim Star never pass up an opportunity to celebrate events whenever the occasion arises. I hope all our amazing Sockstar listeners had a memorable Valentine's Day. I celebrated by making my sweetie a super calorific dark chocolate, peanut, banana and salted caramel drizzle cake complete with Milka Choco Hearts and Magnum's Vanilla Chocolate Ice Cream Chaser on the side. (laughs) Write us here at the show and tell us how our sock stars celebrated Valentine's this year. And with all this romance on the brain, it got me to thinking about how we could go about also romancing our denims this year. As our Denim Star tribe is without a doubt a gene-loving community. We're always on the lookout for those little accessorized nuances here and there in how we can adorn ourselves while strutting our stuff in our beloved dungarees. And with that in mind, it all brought me back to that 1972 Pumper of an R&B song by David Bowie, The Jean Genie. You know the one, The Jean Genie lives on his back. The Jean Genie loves chimney stacks. He's outrageous, he screams and he bawls, Jean Genie, let yourself go. And although, like Far Out Magazine reminds us all, the Jean Genie was never, in fact, an ode to to a denim-clad deity. Even though we all thought it was, the track instead was Bowie's homage to the Warhol sets, Sarinda Fox, one of Bowie's lovers, Iggy Pop, and a nod to the Big Apple, which had inspired his soul at the time. And inspired our souls as well. When we view the vids from back in the day, Bowie's performance showcased the power of his gender-bending glam rock style, along with the interplay between Bowie and his guitarist, Mick Ronson, when they leaned in and sang, Let Yourself Go. The Gene Genie was ultimately a command for letting yourself go. That both band and audience obeyed. As according to Rolling Stone's interview, Bowie regarded the Gene Genie as a manifesto that as a song has to take on character, shape, body, and influence people to an extent that they use it for their own devices. It must affect them, not just as a song, but as a lifestyle. But as a lifestyle, exactly. 
that really struck a chord with me, you know, especially when we tie it all in with the idea that at Denim Star, we really are the first lifestyle brand to focus purely on denim colored socks to combine with your favorite denims. And like Bowie's lifestyle philosophy, Denim Star's luxury eco sock lifestyle brand's exclusive customer experience is to inspire our community to achieve that possibility of a head-to-toe casual glam denim look that is more than just pulling on the humble denim star sock it is also more importantly a lifestyle and hang on on that note I can hear my old pal Billy clamoring to get settled on the airwaves here with me. Are you there, Billy? How are you, my love? Hello, what do you make out love. of all this? Hey. Happy Valentine's Day to you, my love. Miss Anna Lucy Brown and to all our beautiful Denim Star Sock Star listeners. Hope you had all a lovely day and got pampered and spoiled to no end. And yes, well, right off, right off the top, Ems, I have to say that I just love this whole notion that you put together of romancing your denims. I mean, that is just so absolutely brilliant. Miss Emma Lucy Brown. I mean, whether it's jeans, denims, dungarees, whatever you want to call them. And then, of course, you know, tying it in with the Jane Jeannie Bowie song. <laughs> and yes, I, you know, I must admit, like many of us, I thought, you know, for sure that song was, you know, a homage to, to denim. But, you know, whatever the case, love Bowie's declaration about the song and his belief that a song for him, you know, is more than just a song. It's a lifestyle. I mean, how cool is that, Ems? That whether it's a song or a song, you know, both are more than just the sum of its parts, but rather, you know, both need to be recognized for, you know, its uh, it, its lifestyle brand as well. And that, you know, that extra special je ne sais quoi. But really, you know, in my mind, I witnessed your romancing, your, your denims firsthand when I saw that, you know, so cool, that amazing denim star Instagram video of yours, but how you're actually knitting, you know, these beautiful flowers for denim stars, Kickstarter campaigns, special pledge socks on offer. I mean, wow, check it out, folks, if you haven't seen it. I mean, I'm really. And, you know, I have to say, first off, I absolutely love Bowie Bills. I saw him live one year at Glastonbury. He was bloody mind-blowing out of this world. Just so blooming freaking cool. The whole of Glastonbury turned out that day. So yeah, a huge fan. And then with regard to this lifestyle, discussion and denim stars special edition knee high and over the knee high socks and the embellishments very much like my central saint martin's graduation collection which was titled chic boyish femininity inspired 
it's it was very cool inspired by the bloomsbury set i am as you know from the kickstarter campaign personally hand knitting the embellishments with 100% wool to create the felt floral appliques and this is also come from surplus stock that I found in the UK which is great so it's stock that's left over from suppliers so instead of going into landfill it gives textile designers like myself the opportunity to buy in small quantities so that's fantastic as well so yes let me to all our denim star sock stars out there personally romance your denims for you as you now will have another opportunity to order your very own special edition pair of denim star floral embellished socks made with love by me your founder emma lucy brown wow i didn't know that so it was all um just uh you're able to reuse it essentially that is yeah. so cool i mean a uh, total sock seduction for our, our valentine's theme for sure and you know <laughs> all this music and valentine's and it makes me think that you know this great sock quote i i know folks you guys are getting sick of it but time for another inspiring sock quote and how did it go again you know like for the romantic uh theme that we're we're driving here true love is like a pair of socks you gotta have two and they gotta match but you know for those of you who don't know this damn pad uh, artist comedian Stephen ray he used to say well my socks do match they're the same thickness <laughs> a to total deadpan artist if you haven't seen Stephen right check him out but you know that's definitely to me you know that's how i feel on monday mornings but you know that is going back to bowie that is just amazing that you saw mm. bowie live in glastonbury oh. a lifetime memory for sure mm -hmm. you never forget that misery. Mm -mm. and then you know getting back to the you know the special pledge edition socks felt floral appliques mm. you know for the denim star sock we have a few dates now for all of our denim star tribe you know just keep it penciled in, keep these things in mind. Mm. Um, they are one, you know, in March, Denim Stars, hopefully, you know, we're in a pandemic here, folks. We've got mm. uncertainty, but hopefully looking to produce its first batch of Denim Star Eco Socks. And then of course, two, number two, uh, pencil this in, uh, the May date for when your new and improved Denim Star online website an e-tail store will open um, mm -hmm. sometime in spring and have i got that right miss emma I mean, yes that's right stuff. it's right bills it is exciting stuff and tentatively these dates are still right at the moment and i will definitely be able to really make those firm dates shortly but these are the dates that we are ideally aiming for at the moment but of course living in the times that we are right now with so much uncertainty at this point we yeah. will certainly keep our sock stars abreast of any real-time developments on social media regarding these important dates so that's cool but for the time being this is where we are at so far as timelines are concerned 
I mean, for one, after our great discussion last episode on, you know, where is fashion's direction going to take us, etc., how we looked at fashion 100 years ago during the Spanish flu pandemic and how that compared to where we are at now. For sure, that conversation threads into more specifically about both the evolution of denim, our romance with denim, I would hasten to add, in the instance of Denim Star, as well as the future of denim, but more importantly, the future of retail and how the crossroads that we talked about as far as what direction fashion retail is going to take with respect to the whole business of bricks and mortar and online shopping or what has been referred to as bricks and clicks i love that and the future of retail shopping for our denim star customers are concerned yeah yeah i love that too bricks and clicks well you know that's right Anson. you know which direction will it all go it mm. makes me think of that crazy british sitcom are you being served <laughs> you know for all our, our british comedy lovers out there you know you may or may not remember that tv show i always remember the song mm-hmm. you know which mm-hmm. was sung to sound like it was an elevator girl going up in the lift and uh even thinking about that you know the department store with the elevator man or lady controlling the lift i mean wow back in the day but remember how it went it was like first floor telephones gents ready-made suits shirts socks that's us us. ties that's us ties hats underwears shoes going up ching ching essentially the show followed you know the staff mishaps mm-hmm. of this fictional you know flagship department store mm-hmm. grace brothers I mm-hmm. thought it was so absolutely hilarious it was how, it was and then how many of our listeners remember the show and it's unforgettable mm-hmm. characters mm-hmm. i mean there was mrs slocum and uh captain peacock Humphreys. Yeah, Mr. Humphreys. I'm free. free. Yeah, I'm free. (laughs) I'm free. (laughs) So let us know who was your favorite. How could I ever forget? It was totally over the top and featured quintessentially 1970s British humor based on sexual innuendo and, of course, farce. I think my favorite episode was the one about the staff having to undergo medical examinations in order to qualify for a pension plan as we do and the staff are sat outside mr grace's office and misunderstand what's going on with the results of their medical exams So very old school British comedy, but great for a giggle. Please, listeners, YouTube it for a lark. But then, yeah, so then getting back as to what the likes of the retail staff of the Grace Brothers department stores future might hold in store for them now and how when the likes of Denim Star as a new business and opening its online store have to consider when it comes to bricks and clicks, 
Within the realm of retail shopping nowadays, it is definitely at a crossroads for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I remember that one and all, but definitely have a Google on that episode, folks. You won't, you know, you won't be disappointed as far as getting your dose of, you know, old school British comedy. But yeah, that's exactly. I mean, lots to consider, you know, when it comes to what one has to consider when a it comes not only to the future of denim, but more mm. importantly, you know, the, the future of retail shopping and, you know, our romance with it for sure. I know I had to really dig down, Emma, and I told you this, you know, to just get my head around it and learn more is, you know, I was absolutely fascinated. So it's like you say, you know, we are actually now at this exciting, like right now, at this exciting crossroads with the bricks and clicks. Mm. But also, yeah, you know, in terms of Denim's future, I found that, um, you know, actually the BBC did a piece on it. Believe it or not, mm. Emma, and it was actually entitled Jean Genie, The mm. Denim Evolution. Mm. You know, so BBC did this and they, they found that for, for us Denim heads, oddly enough, you know, the humble Jean to this day remains one of the most deceptively complex and mysterious garments of all time. Mm. I, mean, I love that. Me too. Who knew? And, you know, so with our love affair with denim, you know, it's it was reported that, you know, we know this to be true and that, you know, denim has this ability to instantly create this emotional connection with its wearers, with its owners. Since denim is, you know, it's a very personal thing because, you know, as you know, Emma, you start to wear in your jeans and then they kind of take on a, a personality of their own. And then, you know, with each wear pattern unique to the individual, um, you know, it's, it's something that you wear over time and then it molds to your body. And then, you know, it really does. It takes on its own persona. I love that. That has given me tingles all over my body. It, it just, oh, so that is so true. Whether it, it was is, about, it? Yeah. It completely, whether it's about bell bottoms to indigo rockabilly turnips to the ongoing skinny gene in the early noughties, since the second half of the 20th century, denims have been firmly entrenched in the fashion landscape. However, their humble beginnings were utilitarian, with Levi Strauss credited as the co-founder of the blue gene, which was created during the wake of the California gold rush that had taken place decades earlier. Yeah, I just love that. It's so cool. Little little history, but yeah, you know, and then you're right. And then from my understanding, you know, the garments made ingredient denim, you know, I, I don't think I ever knew this. You know, they said it was, uh, you know, it had originated in the French town of Nimes. And then, um, you know, the denim was characterized by this natural and indigo warp and weft, you know, which mm. was, I, I guess, a, a type of cotton twill fabric of sorts. Yeah. Yeah, that from, I guess, uh, the 19th century, which was used to make trousers worn by sailors from wow. Genoa, Italy. And then, mm. you know, back then it was regarded by some as actually the ancestor, <laughs> like mm. the ancestor of the gene. Mm. 
Love him. It was yeah, rebel without、mm. a cause. So、mm. you know, it was these teens who were said to have actually first started using the word jeans from、mm. that decade. But it wasn't actually till about 1960 that Levi's actually replaced the、um, the term overalls with jeans.、So, mm. A little bit of history, folks. Oh wow! And then for many connoisseurs、yeah. of denim today. We also have Japanese self-edge denim、yeah. that is、mm-hmm, that is produced on traditional shuttle looms with 100% cotton threads and real indigo dye, using vintage machines that were abandoned by American denim mills. And then you know, yeah, where denim's hard wearing. Workwear galvanized its utilitarian origins. Revolutionary stretch fibers contributed to its momentum in the 2000s, with the era of the jegging. Remember those? <laughs> and and still, still really popular. To be honest, people do ask me for them. Actually, I have got a few requests. I have to say on that, and then. Yeah, and then with the introduction of lycra and spandex, creating all these new opportunities amongst other key evolutions of sustainable fibers and performance denims. So the focus pivoted on incorporating function in fashion within the denim world. Yeah, I love that, and I love the function in fashion. Miss Anna Lucy Brown, I have to say it. You know, every ensemble that you make for me, it's all my athleisure. Is I love it because it's all so functional and comfortable. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely, you know, going back to this respect to sustainability and and denim,、mm-hmm. uh, Genealogia,、uh, this Spanish company that actually specializes in industrial la- laser machinery,、mm-hmm. they can now produce. Wow. So you know now among you know these pioneers of you know the new planet-friendly technologies for you know replicating worn mm. effects mm. and denim washes, which is by the way I know you know this, but one of the、mm. most polluting aspects mm. you know in the apparel industry today is you know mm. Uh, mm. that with Genologica's、uh, te- technological advances.、Mm. Um, 
there, you know, I love this quote actually. Their CEO, Enrique Silla, believes that, you know, they're set to revolutionize an industry that is scrambling to clean up its act. Mm-hmm. But as uh, I think it's 20% now of denim manufacturers are now using their expertise in technology. Mm-hmm. But I love what he said. And mm-hmm. he said, you know, for Silla, he said, it's this idea that, that genes have a soul. Mm-hmm. Your genes have a soul and that they they become a, a part of us, a part of you and me. And as the way that we they wear, you know, it's unique to each person. So like mm-hmm. we were saying, um, and so the folks at Genealogia, they feel that ultimately, you know, when we go to the denim store, subconsciously, you know, what we're really looking for is something similar to our old pair of jeans you know our favorite denims oh my god honestly honestly and we can all relate and recall our favorite pair of jeans for sure so totally relate to that completely so struggling to get them on with the help of our pals (laughs) and then jumping up and down to wriggle our way into the fit and then ultimately to check our booties baby out in front of the mirror to see how that cut fit looks right bill so it's like is my butt big in this and yes it should be absolutely <laughs> and as the de- <laughs> so true and as the denim industry continues to look to the original blue jean for new inspirations like the experts tell us the future of denim seems to be just as long-lasting as its pugnacious history. I as, love that, yeah. Yeah, yeah as it's... denim trend-setting for 2021, whether it's loose fits, high waist, inspired by workwear, 80s vintage, which you know I love, looks or unbleached white shades, the denim trends are said to be diverse. Yet, there is one topic which seems to continually be gaining momentum within this gene jamboree, and that is sustainability. Sustainability. Mm -hmm. And with it becoming even more important, be it in the production of denim or during the design process, it is felt that patch and repair, rework denim and making use of dead stock or leftover fabrics will become a common feature with denim in the fashion industry this year. Oh, wow. So then, so as far as we can tell, then it looks like denims are here to stay. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the question that's on everybody's mind, I know if you guys are on your social media, this battle, this, mm. this battle is hilarious. Will the skinny jeans still have a bright future? I mean, <laughs> I'm leaving that up to Gen Z and the millennials to <laughs> have their generational battle on that one on TikTok. But yeah. you know, yeah, as far as you know, sustainability is concerned, mm. that would take up an entire episode for a future date. But you know, yes. yeah, uh, what, what we do know and I know you sent me that uh, sourcing journal info, which was so cool that just last year in their piece on, um, you know, why the future of uh, denim production is regenerative, that uh, I think it was this Italian denim mill 
uh, Candiani that had said, you know, the future of making denim and jeans, you know, it's really got to involve this regenerative practice at every step, you know, in the supply chain, which, you know, denim stars really educated me on that. But, you know, asking whether the future of fashion is indeed actually going to be sustainable. Mm. So, you know, then uh, from there, it's, it's, uh, they go, they mentioned that cool book. I think we've talked about it before. I think it was Cradle to Cradle. Mm-hmm. You know, just thinking about the way uh, we we make things, remaking the way we make things. And, mm-hmm. you know, they argue that, you know, with sustainability, uh, it can't just be the business of just doing less bad, but rather this whole idea that true, truly what matters is that we, we have this positive impact in the end. You know, mm-hmm. something to really discuss further on in the show i think hey for sure and no doubt about it billy Mm -hmm. totally sustainability for another show for sure but for right now at this amazing crossroad that we are experiencing with respect to the future of retail is what we both thought a while back ago hey billy in uh-huh that in this futuristic retail ride will not be for the faint of heart is for certain especially when we read in drapers back in january 2021 that debenham's department store announced the closure of six uk stores including its oxford street flagship as part of the department store's winding down process it's such a shame. I mean, it's it's in all my childhood memories. What does the future of retail hold for us all? I mean, you and I, Bills, we really yeah. tried to get our heads wrapped around this, didn't we? And, and it is, it's just so shocking in Oxford Street. You've got these huge retail spaces. Yeah. There's nothing in there. Let's use Topshop as an example. Okay that very creatively, they've got all the mannequins and they've clustered them together and they're looking at the door as if to say, where have all the customers gone? And thank like, hello. (laughs) But, you know, thank goodness they've lit it up nicely. So at nighttime, it actually looks quite bright and cheerful. Otherwise, it would just look so depressing. Holy smokes, what a picture there and but Mm. so then absolutely and I think what what really kind of sorted things out for me and then what you just said which is actually still really shocking Mm. like you you say we just want to you know know that there's going to be this light at the end of the tunnel was um yeah so I read what Blake Morgan who's this you know customer experience futurist Mm. and uh best-selling author had to say in her book customer of the future um and in a nutshell morgan's basically educating folks on the four changes you know that she's expecting to see uh for the future of fashion and and fashion's actual makeover which is really amazing imagine Mm -hmm. that fashion's makeover within the shopping retail realm and Mm -hmm. how she sees the future is it just boils down to four things four changes data you know, everything's data-driven and sustainability mm-hmm. and um, the digital platform and then keeping things 
simplified. I like the simplification of all that, mm. but for more. Mm. Me yeah, too. She, you know, yeah. So Anne's like she's saying she's just reminding us that it, it used to be that you know consumers wore. Uh, this is pretty, uh, uh, you know, amazing what she's saying. Mm. We just wore whatever the designers created and put out mm. there. Those mm. days are over. She's mm. and fashion brands now, as you know, Ems, you're a designer. Yes. They, it's now it's using data to understand customers' preferences, monitoring their shopping behaviors, and then, you know, ultimately uh, creating products that meet the customers' needs in real time right and then of course this expands upon what Wolford was commenting on oh, yeah. mm, in the last Wolford, podcast yeah. Yeah. yeah when we talked about fashion forecasting and that art form and how that is dramatically changing when predicting fashion trends for the future with the growth of data analytics as it is now considered more of a science especially when we learn that amazon is developing a machine learning program to automatically assess if an item is stylish or not i mean wow (laughs) i mean no more fuss or muss about deciding for yourself what is stylish. I mean, leave it to how from 2001 Space Odyssey oh, yeah. to yeah. decide for you, hey? Hey, Bills? Yeah. Oh my God, yeah, well, to be honest, yes. I mean, you know, I think, I, I think about that for sure. And I think sometimes this is what we're thinking, like, where, where will it all and ams i mean Mm. you know it's not that we're paranoid or there's conspiracy theories here but i think yeah i read as well that you know google is testing user-driven ai fashion design that uses Mm. algorithms to create new pieces and styles Mm. and so you know that data of all kinds you know well like morgan was saying in her her, uh, talk and what she talks about uh, will be essentially sewn into every aspect of fashion. So amazing, really. And you know, it gets you thinking about denim star and you know our beautiful humble socks mm-hmm. and and what that might mean for for denim star and for mm-hmm. us. And, and mm-hmm. then you know, if you continue on with one's venture within this crossroad that we you know we're on now journeying on that you know still the positivity is uh, also there is too and we we come back to this notion of sustainability mm. we can say now that it looks like nearly 50 percent of fast fashion retailers have reported a recent decrease in customer purchases as Consumers look for brands that take a stand for the environment. Mm. And we, when we look at that, we're now finding that, you know, these stats, we're throwing them in there, folks, because they're important. 80% yes. of consumers want brands to help them be more environmentally friendly. Mm. So, you know, while shopping, and this is what I love, because mm. I'm, as you know, a great secondhand shopper. Mm-hmm. Here, here. Yeah, for pre-owned items. Uh, it's also on the rise as the second hand market is expected. Uh, I was shocked to see this mm. number to hit 
Emma to hit 64 billion by 2024. Phenomenal. So, yeah. So even as other forms of fashion retail hit this, you know, this sadly this COVID slump, we still feel the love for secondhand shopping, which continues to see strong growth. I know, and hear hear to that totally. And I know bills. I know Bills loves her secondhand shopping for sure, and she just found the other day a beautiful berry-coloured sweater dress by Holston. Oh, I know, H by Holston. Yeah, I couldn't believe it, but there it was. I, Emma, I, t- I told you, I don't even think it was worn. Oh wow! Yeah, that was a lucky find. It was. It was my little piece of treasure. I love that. That makes it even nicer. So, so amazing. And I think that purchase was still done at a bricks and mortar, right? It was, and it was practically in mint condition, but bricks and mortar is.、Mm-hmm. But then, when the future of fashion retail is happening online,、yeah. then we also will have to consider how brands will have to adjust. How they create and sell clothing to make it work within the digital venue. So it is quite a challenge. With more shoppers taking advantage of shopping online, retail will obviously have to fall in line as well. When we know that the most successful brands of the future won't just make their clothing available online, they will also create an immersive. Digital shopping experience with things like virtual fit or sizing tools, showrooms, and stylists. So, yeah. So, fashion brands will also leverage technology like AR, augmented reality, and VR, virtual reality, to allow consumers to try on items digitally. From the comfort of their home. How about that? Yeah, I was wondering how they're going to do that. I mean, so, phenomenal, mind blowing. Let's watch this space. So retailers like Adidas,、yeah. Macy's, and Modcloth are adopting virtual dressing rooms and bringing this technology mainstream. So right around the corner, even consumers who make purchases in person. Will be influenced by digital technologies, as a number of large fashion brands are moving to virtual fashion shows, and are digitizing their designs into 3D prototypes on avatars that are easier to showcase, test, and manufacture on demand, so that designers can test out ideas virtually. And float them with consumers before actually creating the pieces. So, actually, in a nutshell, that's going to cause less landfill as well. Yeah, and you know, I was just thinking, isn't it? I think it's.、Uh, I was thinking this the other day. Isn't it London Fashion Week? And is, I、yeah. think it's like their first、yeah. digital、yes. online. Mm. Uh, I gotta check that out. I、mm. have it in my calendar, but、mm. so you know, it's all happening right now as we speak.、Mm-hmm. I think this London Fashion Week has gone digitized for the very first time, which you know. So talk 
talk about crossroads and it sounds like it even reminds me of uh, a little bit like uh, this year's march vogue mm-hmm. i don't know how i got this information because i know um so you get it first but mm-hmm. yeah like gg hadid um i guess being on the cover of vogue they've also designed created this uh, grant it's called the grand fantasy fashion video game mm. which it's Gigi Hadid on the cover of Vogue magazine along with this this video game where uh, the consumer can uh, fully explore in 3Dification Hadid's fashion world her garments and accessories so mm. <laughs> oh my god all happening in real time folks so right mm. now the crossroads this is we're here we're mm. here and yeah so while you know that also fueled largely by covid changes mm. fashion is also simplifying you know so both in its styles and its delivery so um, yeah for sure many fashion houses used to create as Emma this is your realm for sure mm. eight creations or collections a year and then mm-hmm. now the new shift in fashion is now as you know down to two collections a year spring summer mm. and fall winter mm-hmm. um, so yeah this simplified approach now puts mm. customers so the customer is the center of this experience by mm. creating pieces when people will actually be shopping for them mm-hmm. so so yeah these fashion trends themselves will also become more simplified so when you have you know when you have many people working from home like we are mm-hmm. not everybody but you know most of us are working from home and then you're socially distancing and and for you know the foreseeable future then you have these brands that are essentially they're toning down their styling in favor of you know comfortable loungewear that works for you know sleeping and living yeah you know even after the pandemic i guess you know clothing will will likely it seems like it's going to stay simple the future of uh, you know fashion will focus on customers and you know providing this this innovative experience with with the industry uh, you know com- continually evolving but with changes in in the future that will create a, a more sustainable customer centric and efficient industry i mean it just the the love affair continues you know the so so let our love affair you know with fashion continue and the romancing you know of our, mm. our jeans will continue on but with you know a little more adventurism folks and experimentation not for the faint of heart exactly <laughs> but you know or like you say we're in it now yeah and yet to wrap up this fascinating yeah. discussion Mm -hmm. We know that in a global market currently populated by over 800,000 online outlets. Yes, you heard that. uh, 800,000. Take your pick. So so the world of e-commerce has become what e-tail Nordic refer to as somewhat of a battlefield with brands competing with each other for hits, clicks and digital transactions with fewer people going to retail malls anymore. So 
Michael Gale, in his Forbes article, The Real Future of Retail, feels that a strategy of incrementalism has pushed the physical industry into a death spiral. When you compare that to what online stores can show, sell and have easy return policies, however, Gale highlights that with the negative side of the accelerated decline in physical retail, there is this view of the possible re-vectoring or becoming a new, again, that smart retailers should be taking within this decade. Oh, very cool. So Phoenix rising, man. I love it. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, Emma, we both had read Gail's amazing article where, you know, he mentioned uh, that thought leader, Courtney Hawkins, this Mm. senior retail executive who, you know, she's supposed to have this knack for understanding what's to come for the future of retail. And, you know, she noted, and I remember going to the store Nordstrom's when I was a kid, it was like an amazing department store down in the states Mm -hmm. and so she noted that you know department stores like Nordstrom you know they're trying different things like special online services and rack space and pickup and return stores are are being experimented with at the moment so you know yeah as these struggling stores are are dragging down these poor you know mall owners uh so there's this you know this negative multiplier effect in play as well and uh and yeah so for hawkins you know this possibility for change in retail is you know in the consumer's experience so again the consumer front and center and with the struggling malls and department stores um could could be life experiences for mm. for the consumer you know for for you know she's even saying going as far as you know removing roofs off walls and letting in the weather to freshen spaces mm. and you know the future of big retail according to hawkins it needs to be completely friction free and focus 100 on the customer's experience so yeah mm. here we are mm, i know so true and so fascinating this love totally so this love affair with fashion and retail as gail went on to say that speciality retailers need to narrow choices to the core offerings in order not to carry high inventory numbers which we know they did so they need to have seamless online and offline experiences to squeeze in everything they can from the moments they have with customers so for example retailers like uk john lewis department stores with eight out of 50 department stores closing they revealed plans to convert extra space into private and affordable housing in post-covid market i mean wow so cool so cool so part of a five strategic steps for the business to grow by expanding into more services 
for further development like financial service, horticultural, private, rented housing and rental resale and recycle. Wow, so, so they're just yeah, venturing into new territory which is amazing. So talk <laughs> about adapting. So and according to their chair Sharon White, these new plans could in turn mean more of the business will be pushed online since John Lewis department stores expect to generate up to 60% of sales from e-commerce and expand beyond retail in order for John Lewis to be sustainable over the long term. So I don't know, does that mean that department stores and malls could be seen more like a community experience so exercise movies food medical education with curated inventory and experiences driving brand value but don't we have moles like this right now billy i mean how is this any different from what's going on right now yeah i know i i felt the same way um you know and then that's you know a typical virgo right just stuck mm -hmm. in that thought so i had to drill down a bit more and mm -hmm. look at that 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 future of retail and and you know none of this should indicate that retail success will be you know easy going into this next next decade though you know as mm -hmm. um, as according to i think it was bobby her hamat Sorry, Bobby, just slaughtered that one. But at <laughs> Forbes Business Development Council, you know, back in, in July of last year, he had said online sales, you know, they won't be slowing down anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, consumers, their preference for digital research will, you know, give online retailers a leg up, you know, as far as first impressions go. But yeah, it looks like the retail research compiled by, um, retail dive in, in 2018 had said that you know still and i know i do this 87 percent of customers surveyed you know they start their product searches mm. online mm. and you know for retailers these facts reveal you know these are two important truths out there that say you know first uh you know all but the trendiest of smallest of local shops should maintain a digital presence you know to some degree mm. and that you know companies simply may not survive in the 2020s if the internet doesn't know about them so uh yeah and then the the second thing was you know for the in-store experiences you know to determine which retailers will gain this ground with consumers and which ones uh, lose business to online competitors, you know, um, hey, Emma, this is key, mm. you know, as, as retailers who do more than sell products will thrive. Mm. Well, you know, while those uh, that struggle to differentiate themselves from online options, you know, they could they could possibly see their market share dwindle down to down to nothing. So again, mm. not for the faint of heart and Mm, so intuitively true, isn't it? And yet, while brick and mortar retail has yeah. been hit hard due to COVID-19, as we know, I mean, it's still far from dead. Changes that were already happening were expedited. Uh -huh. But 
for brick and mortar operators who are able to adapt and do whatever it takes to make it through this pandemic they could find a world of opportunity when retailers focus on creating in-store experiences that inspire customers to keep coming back mm-hmm. so online sellers play a massive and growing role in the modern economy with people who enjoy the convenience of shopping on their smartphone at two in the morning as you do <laughs> with your cup of tea in hand however exactly <laughs> the same remoteness that gives mm-hmm. online sellers a few advantages can come with heavy drawbacks and retailers that fill those gaps could find themselves busy with customers for decades to come. Yeah, and you know, you know, despite the popularity of online options, so, you know, still physical stores ended the last decade on a high note. So, you know, it's this uh, the pendulum again. And according to data from so now we're going to the states, uh, mm. this was the US Department of Commerce. Mm. They said that bricks and mortar sales rose you know, this is pre-COVID, folks, but they rose uh, between 2016 and 2017. So, you know, with shopping in person, you know, uh, remained a strong preference for for many consumers, even back in January of 2020, where there is data that, you know, they found that 57.5% uh, of consumers over the age of 35 still prefer to shop at physical locations. Mm. And yet, you know, while I think it was 45% of consumers ages uh, 18 to 30, 34s, uh, they still prefer to shop at physical locations, mm. according to this report. So, yeah, the mm. e-commerce industry, you know, it appears to be outgrowing uh, brick and mortar. But yet, you know, despite the differences in, in pacing and, and you know, the physical stores, the physical stores continue to, to dominate in terms of actual sales. So, mm. you know, even if online sellers continue their rapid expansion, it's looking like physical retailers could maintain control of the market for years to come. Mm. So here we go, you know, so especially uh, when we know that, you know, the brick and mortar locations, you know, they enjoy these, this, you know, the several advantages that could put a, a ceiling on the potential of online only business. Mm. So again, uh, because, you know, Anna, like we were saying, because, you know, remember these, these physical stores, they, they still house employees who can actually talk to the customer and they allow customers to put their hands directly on the, on the products, the merchandise, and still, you know, they're working out those issues, you know, mm. in the moment. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, so in a nutshell, young people, you know, they may love their digital options, but they also love unique experiences mm. and human mm. connections as well. Mm. There's so, a lot. Yeah, Emma. Yeah. Uh, mm. they may, they may be happy to buy from local stores you know shop local folks but especially if they can tag themselves on social media or you know treat the opportunity as more of a transaction when you say so yeah Mm, good point because if brick and mortar retail were truly dying digital brands like warby parker casper and amazon 
would not have spent money acquiring desirable locations for their physical stores while focusing on creating essential in-store experience when we consider what these digital companies do in their physical stores to complement their online presence. So Billy, you love to sleep, right? <laughs> I do. I mean, I, I, you know, raised by hippies, we all were pretty mellow bunch. And you know, if we don't get our, if we don't get our eight hours, it's yeah, hyena city. <laughs> so I'll focus <laughs> on Casper only here and how they created mm -hmm. amazing in-store customer experience. So Casper in 2018 announced that it would open 200 retail stores. So since then, the indie mattress brand has done an impressive work to further the customer experience with Casper's concept store, The Dreamery. Oh, wow, I love it. Mm -hmm. Which uh -huh. invites customers to pay a fee to take a short nap. <laughs> oh my God, this is amazing. That's got to appeal to you. They better open their doors for the whole hippie commune to come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dreamery. Is this, this is only in New York though, is it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So Yeah, we need... Yeah. Mm -hmm. So dreamers enjoy fresh PJs, private pods, oh, uh -huh. and post-nap coffees before they leave feeling refreshed. Mm. So, like you said, the Dreamery, which is only in New York City, provides mm. a shareable experience for potential mattress buyers. So Casper's other stores also deliver a similar impression of expertise in the realm of sleep. So how do you feel about that? I love this, Anne. I want this. It should be in every city, in every every town. I, mm. I You know, I want to try the Dreamery. I mean, what I love a it. brilliant idea, especially after our Huge, yes. Huge uh, you know, podcast, mm. total Huge, uh, mm. isn't it? I mean, mm. M's comfort for the soul, you know, mm. when we think about all, all the stress that's going on these days. And, and well, you know, I think these companies and the smaller successful retailers around the world prove, mm. I believe anyways, mm. that, you know, physical retail has room for, for anyone with an eye for innovation. Yeah. And, mm. you know, many customers uh, expect better in-store experiences from retailers today. This is, this is what they're wanting. And I believe, you know, those offerings have so far defined, you know, the best in-store experiences. But, you know, it's looking like the smartest retailers, you know, will will continue to challenge the status quo to see, you know, how they, how, you know, how can they delight the customers in unexpected ways, you know, to keep them coming back. How are we going to keep the customer coming back in a compassionate and authentic, realistic way? And so, you know, the bricks and clicks battlefield rages on and whether it's the, uh, you know, the dreamery or potential John Lewis department store affordable housing or for our pals in Canada, the Parker maker, mm. uh, Canada goose, you know, you buy mm. a, a goose down jacket, Parker, 
you get to go into their cold rooms minus 25 at your fingertips folks wow you know to better to better experience the parka and, wow. and nudie jeans too nudie jeans you own a pair of nudie jeans they've got the repair mm. shops the hubs to repair the jeans to resell those jeans uh for second hand or donate those jeans for recycling customer experience is key and as you know i don't need to tell our fearless leader and uh, yeah absolutely and well i suppose that are you being served tv show <laughs> and all the crazy hijinks and shenanigans were onto something too when grace brothers department store would bring in their sight mm-hmm. gags which the staff were sometimes required to wear for in-store promotions absolutely yeah i mean you just could think of mrs slocum's hair changing every day it seems <laughs> yeah. yeah so along with gaudy store displays from hilarious episodes like the sensey touch gloves the electric pussy boots cat and the flexy girdle remember that one a sales gimmick to contain the figure what's gone out of control <laughs> oh my god that's so funny what's oh, gone out of control what's gone out oh. of control i think it's all out of control so i mean grace brothers department store was only really trying to do what we are all trying to do in the end for our loyal customers bring the customers back so on that note we salute all those essential service workers who are employed in our local stores let's continue to support our local shops and pledge to keep coming back as their loyal customers this podcast episode is dedicated to you and our love affair and romance not only with denim but everything else in the retail experience a big thank you and big love to you all after all let's continue to do what we brits do best keep calm and carry on and in the spirit of valentines romancing our denims with denim star socks as the ultimate romantic accessory Oh, I so, love that Anne. You said that so well. Yeah. God bless our our essential service workers in retail, shop local, support our our local shops, our online favorites. Uh we salute you. We thank you all and and happy Valentines. Keep the romance going, especially with your denims. <laughs> Absolutely. So we'll be romancing you soon. And now for everyone's favorite portion of the podcast. It's that time once again for Emma's hosiery highlights where together we take a closer look at what both myself and Billy wore for one of these beautiful spring days that keep popping up for our new and improved denim star romancing our denim look. For me, as a splash of color to pop for my groceries, I am reaching for a pair of ELV dark blue match flare jeans in honor of Bowie's The Jean Genie, famous tune as mentioned earlier. 
made from unwanted jeans destined for landfill, styled up with a spliced multi-patch folksy blues on jacket from Zara with a multi-floral panelled blouse by Maeve. A trend seeping in from spring-summer 22, repurposing old vintage floral prints, using up redundant fabric instead of sending it to landfill. Completed with denim stars over knee-high flower bloom socks, ruched under my denims to keep my legs warm during our fresh spring days. Completed with suede mini tonka jade moccasin ankle boots. Easy pull on with snuggly sheepskin lining to keep my toes toasty warm. While Billy is championing denim stars knee high cozy cable for the pop of blue to her monochrome outfit. We are loving this craze for our go-to outfits. She is juxtaposing the indigo socks over the top of a pair of ELV's grey black contrast straight leg jeans, again made from unwanted jeans. With Pilcro grey washed waffle top with volume sleeves to add some drape, completed with a cute pleated black scarf from Mango to add some texture. Completed with electric blue Birkenstock Arizona EVA sandals to skip around the house. This will certainly put a spring in your step. on Emma's hosiery highlights for denim star socks and fashion ensembles on Instagram and Facebook at denim star underscore UK to find your denim star inspiration there. I hope all of you sock stars enjoyed our latest podcast series with episode 7, Romancing Your Denims, of Socks and Sandals and Other Scandals Morning Cuppa with Emma and Billy. As I mentioned before, going forward, we will be published once a month, so keep an eye out on Instagram and Facebook for announcements of it going live. Thank you so much for joining us on this magical mystery sock tour. If you liked it, give it a thumbs up, share it with your friends, and as always, don't forget to sock it to me and subscribe. And being the hosiery high priestess, as I always affirm, be the star you know you are. I'll talk to you guys later. Toodaloo, my lovely denim star sock stars. Until next time, bye.